It's Super Bowl week in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always, in our fabulous studio. So we caught up with a guy that played in the Super Bowl for the Cincinnati Bengals, Super Bowl 16, broadcast uh, a Super Bowl with the Cincinnati Bengals. Both of us were in the booth as color analysts for Super Bowl 23. And then he coached a Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger throws a game-winning touchdown pass to win the football game. I don't think there's, I couldn't find anybody else that has played, broadcast, and coached a Super Bowl. The trifecta, Kenny Anderson, maybe the first and only. I mean, I can think of a bunch of people that have played and broadcast or played and coached or broadcast and coached or whatever. All three, I don't know. Maybe I haven't researched it deep enough, but early research, couldn't find anybody else. Kenny talks about all three of the Super Bowls, Super Bowl 16, Super Bowl 23 of the Bengals, the Super Bowl that uh, he won as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff. Goes through a, a lot of memories, a lot of good stories. It's good stuff. Ken Anderson, the one, the only, number 14 in your program, number one in your heart. Thanks for joining us once again in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always, emanating from our outstanding studios. And it is Super Bowl week. So in honor of Super Bowl week, we have to get a guy by the name of Ken Anderson, who was league MVP in, in uh, 1981, uh, our first Super Bowl, Super Bowl 16, the 81-82 season. But Kenny, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Ken Anderson... Played in Super Bowl 16, broadcast Super Bowl 23, uh, coached in the Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm, I was trying to find an answer to this question. How many guys, th there have been plenty of guys that have played and coached, played and broadcast, or whatever. There's a good number, but not a crazy number, but a good number. But how many guys have done all three, played, broadcast, and coached in the Super Bowl? Do you have any idea? I, I have none, and I never even it. thought. Of, I never even thought about that until you brought it up. I think you might be it. I'm. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I mean, who else has done that? You know, I mean, uh, Merlin Olson. Okay, well, he didn't. You know, uh, he he didn't coach in the Super Bowl. John Madden. He didn't play in the Super Bowl. My man played, broadcast, coached in three different Super Bowls. I th I think you're an NFL, like one and only. I swear, man. I can't. I, 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 you know, the story I remember about broadcasting was down in Miami. Yeah. And I had a chance the, the morning of the game before the buses left to go to the hotel to go out and do a flag football game on the beach and make some money. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm coming back, and now they got the bridges go up and boats are going underneath. Now I'm, you know, I'm sweaty and all this other stuff. And I get a block from the hotel, and I get out, and I throw the keys to the bell and take it. I hop on the bus. And then, you know, we had to do a TV thing afterwards, but it was supposed to be back at the hotel. So I'm thinking, okay, it's just radio. Nobody's going to see me there. And then uh, Channel 12 changed everything, and we did it live from the stadium. So yeah. <laughs> that was uh, – uh, 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 and that's such a great memory of my broadcasting in the game. Oh, man. How about – okay, let's, let's, take, uh, let's take each Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, though, uh, First Star just presented me with this this morning. They made, they made a bobblehead, and it's got our First Star Logistics logo, but 
I'm thinking, is, is it, this is back in the day. This is back in the day, you know, uh, young player kind of thing. And uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I wonder if Kenny will recognize that. Yeah, full, full head of dark hair. Full head of dark hair. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, my gosh. All right. So had the pleasure of, uh, of rooming with you, obviously, um, which, you know, I was like, man, I can't believe I'm rooming with Ken Anderson. And we go to Super Bowl 16. What is your biggest memory or what when you think Super Bowl 16 what comes to mind to Ken Anderson first and foremost I I don't I, I think several things lap you know I think the first thing was you know the euphoria of winning the AFC championship game when it was minus 59 with the wind chill yep but then the next week you know we stayed in Cincinnati and tried to practice and it was so cold and of course we didn't have heaters or the heated benches yep. and, and you really couldn't stay out long and, and get a lot of work done. So we had to really get a lot of it done, you know, at the Super Bowl site. So I, you know, I don't know if that was a factor in the game or, or not, but I, I kind of always go back to that. Yeah. And then the, the thing is, you know, we, we get off the plane in Pontiac and first of all, you know, do we get to go to Pasadena, San Diego, <laughs> uh, Arizona, New Orleans, Miami? No, the we get the first Northern Super Bowl in, in Pontiac, Michigan. Beautiful Pontiac. But, but hey, you know, I'm league MVP and, and we get to the hotel and we get our keys from Murdo. We go up, we go into our room because we room together and there's no bed. I said, Lap, MVP, we got a suite. Right. We're, we're trying to we're trying to open the side doors and all those doors are locked. And all there is is a bed that pulls out of the wall. Right. <laughs> and I it's said, like- This is what we get. And I said, you know, I liked you a lot, Dave, but we got to see if we can figure out something else. So we went down and, and they figured out we got another room. Oh, man. I know. When we first opened that door, it's like, check this out. Oh, my God. But, yeah, where's the bed? <laughs> it was a hide-a-bed. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going to sleep in that hide-a-bed. That would be that would be a great story for <laughs> 16. That's crazy. Man, what was the dumbest question you got, Kenny, um, during the week of, of uh, you know, the media – swarm that happens at the Super Bowl. Now it's out of control, but it was crazy then. I mean, I never saw that amount of media. I didn't think that amount of media existed. Yeah, you know, I we, we didn't have, a, I guess, a media day per se, but we didn't have, you know, the, your little cubicle that you go sit in and do anything. It was kind of, we're just standing around and people kind of come up to you. And right. I know Forrest, Greg and I were, were joking around for, for one of the pictures of it, but it's just, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. You know, when you look at the game today, I think the pregame shows have already started. Right. You know, but, you know, when we played, the pregame show was half an hour. Yep. You know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was Super Bowl 16, you know, still in its, you know, its infancy. But um, it is such a, a spectacle now. But I, I do remember, you know, I mean, us to – you know, we couldn't go through the lobby. So if we're going to go out to dinner or something like that, we got to kind of go through the kitchen and and, right. and whatever. And uh, I, I do remember uh, Gary Daniels with the, the Lions was doing some stuff for TV and, and got me in trouble. He said, Kenny, he said, uh, let's go out. You know, Monday night we had no curfew. Let's let's go to the uh, – I'll meet you at the Irish pub. And I, all the offensive line went. You know, we all had our – you know, you and I shared a car together. You know, we all go out there. And right. so – and I'm the first one to leave. And – uh, I get, I go down to breakfast the next morning 
And I, I'm early to go down there, and the coaches are kind of giggling. I said, hey, did you have a good time last night? And I, I said, well, yeah, we went out there, the old line and that. He said, oh, yeah, here it is in the paper. Uh, Kenny Anderson was seen at the Irish pub last night dancing with three women and drinking beer to the wee hours of the morning. Oh, what? <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Everybody's so, trying to get the scoop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, so the you know, there wasn't a lot around Pontiac, but I think we found some pizza joint. That was a couple blocks away that we could go down to that had picnic tables in it that we could go down and have a few yep. beers before we went to bed. Yep. And I'm Kenny, I mean, I'm this innocuous offensive lineman, but I'm rooming with the MVP. So a bunch of these guys come up to me and you know surround me and start asking me all kinds of questions about you. They're trying to get me to slip up about whatever and have this, you know, oh, I I got this story. They're asking me. Okay, what type of underwear is he a boxer shorts guy? I'm like, what are, you guys, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, that was the dumbest question I got. What was the dumbest question you got? I I, I really don't remember. Yeah. Uh, you, you know that was kind of uh, you know, just uh, you know, all a blur, you know, leading up to it, and you know, if uh, again, it was the, the first time in a northern city, so yeah. you know, we won the flip. And so we got to practice at our normal time in the afternoon and the 49ers had to go into practice in the morning. So as we're coming in, they're going out. So, I mean, you saw them every day. I mean, I, I saw Bill Walsh, you know, every day during the week, you know, he and I had a, a special relationship, you know, from, uh, you know, he kind of started my career here in Cincinnati and sure. was then the, the, you know, his first Super Bowl win with the 49ers. But, you know, we would pass each other in the hallway every day. What was it, Kenny, about Bill Walsh? What, 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 kind of bonded you and Bill Walsh. What, what what was the magic? What clicked for you guys? Well, I think his attention to detail. Um, and, you know, I was always kind of an analytical guy and the stuff that he said made sense. And you yep. know, he was the first guy that really put together the quarterback drop with the depth of the wide receiver. You know, okay, uh, you know, it, it's three steps for a slant, you know, and ready to drill it in there. But all of a sudden, you see this is three steps. Now you got to hold it, wait for the second window. Um, we're throwing a timed out. It's you know five quick steps, not the fifth step you're throwing, but we're throwing a, a, a turn in. Now it's five and a hitch, you know, and, and throwing. So everything, and you had a progression to go to. I got one, two, three, and I got an outlet. So everything was was structured, and that kind of fit into my math mentality. Yeah, and, and you had that accounting background, and you know uh, that, uh, that all made. All made beautiful sense to you, that's for sure. Offensively, I mean, man, we were pretty damn good. You, you were unbelievable, MVP, obviously. But the weapons that you uh, had in your arsenal were pretty darn good, weren't they? Well, I mean, you talk about, you know, Isaac Curtis was still a great player. You know, Collinsworth, you know, came in was a, a rookie. Yep. And, you know, he's got, you know, over 1,000 yards as a rookie. Danny Ross had 70 catches that year as a tight end. Yeah, You know, we had a, a great running game with Pete Johnson and Charlie Alexander and, and Archie Griffin and, you know, a real good uh, third wide receiver and Steve Kreider. If we had to go four deep, we had David Verser, who was the number one draft choice that year. Yep. So, and we had an offensive line that uh, was as good as the Bengals, you know, have ever had. And, you know, and that's, that's, that's the whole key. Yeah, and, and you look at the depth at the tight end position, you know, ML Harris, Don Bass, I mean, Shoot, man! It was like it, it. Not only not only talented, but the depth of the talent was extraordinary. I mean, you put it together pretty darn well. Yeah, well, we did, and you know, and I think that's the most disappointing thing was our performance in the first half. And 
Yeah. You know, it all started, you know, with me. Uh, if you remember our opening kickoff, we kick off to them. They fumble it. We get great field position. We make a first down, and we've got third and goal from the five-yard line. Right. We got, I mean, a sure field goal with Jimmy Breach, and statistics say the first team that scores any points wins the game. And, right. you know, we're, we're going three wide receivers to the left, and the way that they played, we're picking outside. Uh, you know, Isaac Curtis is the, the farthest guy out. We're going outside to pick for him. He's kind of coming underneath, get the coverage we want, and I throw it. And Dwight Hicks is standing there and picked it off. And they go down to get the first score in the game. And, you know, that always kind of haunted me for years. And, you know, I met Dwight Hicks at a celebrity golf tournament. And I said, hey, how you doing? He said, well, I'm surprising you talked to me. Well, I, I forgot about that a long time ago. He said, yeah. hey, just so you know, I blew the coverage. I shouldn't have been there. So That's at, least I, at least I read the coverage right. And, uh, you know, but small consolation. That's that's crazy though. I mean, you know, I, I bet there's multiple cases of that where a quarterback makes you know makes a throw that his progressions reads took him there, and uh, and a guy makes a mistake and gets rewarded for it. I mean, I that's that's uh, that's that's crazy sick. There's there's no no question about it. But yeah, you know, and then, then you know, so they go down and score a touchdown, and then right. you know, beginning of the second quarter, we're marching right down again, and I hit yeah. Chris for a first down inside the twenty yard line. And if they had replay, it probably would have been an incompletion, but it was ruled a fumble. They go down and score again. And yep. then, you know, right before halftime, you know, they uh, do a couple of squib kicks that we mishandle and they get two field goals. So next thing you know, it's 20 to nothing at halftime. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we're not playing that badly. You know, it's like we're no. our own worst enemy, you know, it's like. Right. I mean, you know, four turnovers. I mean, yep. you're not going to win many games and. You know, and then uh, I think it was funny that we're trying to go into the locker room at halftime. And the first thing is it took us a while to get in because they brought bomb-sniffing dogs into our locker room. And in one of the trunks, uh, I guess the material of the jerseys, the backup jerseys, set the dogs off. So they got all this stuff that, you know, that got to clear out and check. And then then we go in, and and, and I don't remember the coaches saying anything to us. I mean, we, we just kind of sat there, and we knew what was going on. I mean, everything we had was working. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then we go out and we have a, a, a great second half and we just come up a little bit short. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you say, you go minus three, minus four in any game, you're going to lose it 95 plus percentage of the time. Right. You know? and, but we outscore them 21, six, 21 to six in the, uh, in the second half and just come up, uh, come up short a little bit. And then, of course, not only the turnovers, but the other uh, stop on downs, the goal line stand, Shoot, we make two mistakes in four downs. We make two critical mistakes at the point of attack. I mean, we should have scored multiple times on those on those four downs, but again, we shot ourselves in the foot with mistakes. Yep. You know, you know, and it, like I say, it, it was. Uh, I think I always felt it was more us than them. You know, you got to yep. give them a lot of credit. They they won the game, but you know, to this day, you know, I still believe we were the better team. I agree, and uh, we put ourselves on the schedule. You know. I mean, they were they were good enough to beat us, but if we played the game we should have played, we're we're good. We just picked the worst time to have a stinker like that, you know. I yep. mean, one of those uh, one of those situations for sure. But so okay, that's uh, that's Super Bowl sixteen. That's that's the one that you played in, and I think you did. You threw for over three hundred yards. You had the most yards passing ever in quarterback in in Super Bowl history by a quarterback that didn't win. The football game. Am I right on that? I think I, I don't know. At, at that time, it was the first quarterback I think that threw for 300 yards, and I had yeah. 
I don't know, a 70% completion, which was yeah. the highest completion percentage for a game right. up until that time. Yeah. I mean, you put up crazy numbers as you did that entire season. I mean, you were, you were, you were unbelievable, unbelievable to watch that entire uh, season. And, and I've said this many times to many people over the years, people underestimated the, the foot speed, the athleticism, the quickness, short space quickness, as well as, you know, long speed. I said, my man could run. My man was a, an athlete, man, great basketball player. I mean, could baseball could do anything. People uh, underestimated that part of your game big time, I thought. Well, you know, I mean, I had about three big runs in the AFC championship game, you know, yep. for first downs to kind of really help us there. And, you know, that year I was uh, the second leading rusher on the team. Right. You know, you know, Pete Johnson had close to a thousand yards. I had 300 yards rushing. Yep. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, we had, that was just a good team and we were so well-rounded, you know, offensively and defensively with, you know, the guys that we had, you know, up front of the defensive line and, you know, the LeClaire and, uh, Glenn Cameron and, and Reggie at the linebackers. And, you know, yep. geez, we got, you know, Louis Breeden and uh, Kenny Riley on the corners. I mean, you know, we, we had a lot of talent on that football team. We sure did. There's, there's uh there's no question about that. And the but guys, I think, you know, the one thing I may be noted for in that game is that I was the first athlete that carried their son off the field after a yeah. game. Yeah. You know, Matt was six and he was close by. So I went and grabbed him and we're walking across the field. Of course, there's a lot going on and, He's scared, so I, I pick him up, and that was the shot that was in the, the paper the next morning. It actually was turned into a football card, you know, as well. And so we get into the locker room, and, you know, everybody's dejected, and I'm sitting there, and I'm undressing, and he's, you know, just sitting in the locker, doesn't know what to say. And I said, hey, Matt, what would you think about the game? He got this big smile on his face. He said, Dad, it was the best halftime show I've ever seen. <laughs> that picture and, and then, and then, so he gets to ride the team buses back to the hotel, and most of the families are already there. Right. And so a lot of the other kids, you know, were a little jealous that he was on the, you know, got to ride the bus back with the with the team, and they're all there greeting him. I said, Matt, what's it like in the locker room? He says, Man, it's great. They got all the free Coke and gum you want. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, all all of a sudden, I, it, it it was a good Super Bowl for somebody. No question. No question. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's good stuff. Those, those are memories. That picture is iconic, man. That was just a great shot. I mean, because, yeah. you know, the thing is, everybody, you know, looks at football players and, and forgets they're human beings, you know. And and a shot of a dad and his son, you know, getting together right after the biggest disappointment professionally of the dad's, you know, life. And he's got his son. And all of a sudden, it's it goes, you know, it's a different dynamic. That's just, there's there's so much in that picture. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, no, that was, was a lot of fun. And you know, and we lost, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, when I think back to that year, it was, you know, a magical year, you know, in Cincinnati. Now, you know, I'd been to the playoffs in 73 and 75 and gone to a couple Pro Bowls and led the league in passing. But, right. you know, I think that was the year that I think the, the town caught fire. It was the first year we went to stripes on the helmets. And it was the first year, I mean, we play a home game and the lower level of Riverfront Stadium is ringed with banners. No doubt. You know, and, 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 you know, people painting their faces and the orange and black wigs and those kind of things. And, right. you know, and I think that was uh, a special time for the fans of Cincinnati as well as the team. You know, it, it, it's amazing um, when the team does achieve uh, at a high level 
and the fans always support the franchise. There's no question. I mean, Cincinnati fans are amongst the lo most loyal in all the sports. But man, when when the team is on a run, Cincinnati turns out, and they turn up, man. They turn it up big time. It's uh, it really is. It really is crazy. That was a special uh, a special bond. I do want to tip my cap to uh, Charlie Alexander, Alexander the Great, LSU. All these rushing yards, you know. And what did he do for us? He was the blocker. I mean, Pete Johnson was the ball carrier. Charlie was the blocker yep. and just humble about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this role and, and, you know, no big, I'm going to do what's best for the football team. And not that he, I mean, you know, he was a good short yardage goal line guy. He could run, he could do a lot of things, catch the football and, 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 uh, and things of that nature. But I mean, he basically said, I'm going to do what it takes to help this football team win. I got a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah, well, no question. And you remember our first playoff game, our first home playoff game, our first playoff victory was against Buffalo, which was a close game, a one-score game. And one of the key plays of the game was it was Charlie catching a pass and running about 60 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, and he, uh, I think he rushed for a bunch of yards in that football game as yep. well. He had a big day rushing. I mean, he, his all-purpose yards, total yards, scrimmage yards, whatever you want to call it, were up there big time. I mean, he, he yep. stepped up. He stepped up and made plays. No question. Okay, so that's Super Bowl sixteen, Super Bowl twenty three. We're in the in the broadcast booth together. What what are your memories of uh, of Super Bowl twenty three? I mean, I, I guess uh, from the pressure of a player, particularly a quarterback in a Super Bowl, as opposed to broadcasting a Super Bowl night and day. That's for sure. Well, no, it was, but I mean, but it was fun because you know we got to enjoy the week a little bit. You know, right. we weren't in, in meetings at night and. You know, I was doing a, a radio show in the mornings and doing that from the, the lobby. And so, you know, you get a lot of guys going through that you get on the radio show. And, you know, our families got to be down there with us. So we got to, you know, enjoy them. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, when our families came in and, you know, you and I always roomed together and we put our wives together. And we still room together, you know, <laughs> right. we weren't going to change up, uh, you know, our routine. Right. But, you know, it, it was just... Uh, you know, a different fact that, you know, you're broadcasting the game and then, you know, the excitement of it, you know, we've got the lead late, yeah. you know, and then uh, here comes the drive with, uh, you know, Montana and, and geez, but, uh, you know, what did during that drive that uh, he, he threw one hit uh, Lewis Phillips, our, our quarterback, right in the chest. And right in the chest. If, if he catches the ball, the game's over. And unfortunately it was, you know, he dropped it and, and they went down and, uh, and beat us with 34 seconds to go. That Stanford Jennings kickoff return. I mean, <clears throat> I can still, I can still visualize that whole. I mean, the Red Sea parted, man. It was unbelievable how, how the blocking and uh, I, honestly, I think there was an error in coverage. They guys got out of lanes, uh, but they they were blocked uh, a little bit out of lanes as well. But man, that 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 play sticks out in my mind. Like you say, Lewis Phillips. Oh my goodness, what could have been if he uh, if, if he holds onto that football? But yeah, that that game. That was that was something else. So, the thing I remember too is Sam Weish and Bill Walsh. You know the those two guys going against each other. You know Super Bowl twenty three. The you know the mentor and the in the pupil kind of thing. That that was an interesting dynamic as well. No, it was, and uh, you know Bill Walsh meant a lot to us. Although Sam Weish was on the team when I got there, when they drafted me, they traded Sam. Right, <laughs> and he started his journeys around the league, but. Right. You know, it, it, it would have meant a lot to, to both coaches. You know, I think for Bill, that might have been his third one. But, uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the, the pressures and the toll it takes on coaches. 
Uh, I remember, you know, going out of the stadium, I stopped by the 49ers locker room to c- congratulate him. And he was still in the shower by himself and looked like death warmed over. Yeah. You know, and then I was talking to him, I said, this is it. And then, of course, he ended up, you know, retiring, you know, after that one, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it uh, even sometimes even in victory, you don't get to enjoy it. Yeah, no doubt. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, coaching in a Super Bowl. You were with the Pittsburgh Steelers when Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. You were coaching him. You guys, uh, you know, win a world championship with the Pittsburgh Steelers. What was it like coaching in the Super Bowl? What's the pressure of that side of things? Well, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're in the big game again. And, and you know, you're, you're, I think most of the coaches' work is done, you know, during the week getting your players ready because you don't have a lot of things that are going to make a difference during the game. But uh, I, I do remember one thing that happened in, in, in Pittsburgh. You know, the only uh, coaches that, that talked to the media were the head coach and the coordinators. And uh, so I remember, uh, you know, we go to Friday's practice and Andrea Kramer was going to be the sideline reporter. And she was, and I knew her for a long time. And right. she, come, she comes up, uh, Kenny, uh, what's the deal on Ben's rib? He went to, got an x-ray last night. And I go, I don't know anything about it. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I, you know, he was fine during the week. I never heard anybody him complaining. So I go over to start and I run over again. I said, you never talked to me. Just remember, you never talked to me. <laughs> and uh, so then now it's uh, the, the Sunday morning of the game. And so, I mean, that's the longest day in the world, you know. And, and so I'm out taking a walk and we're at our uh, undisclosed hotel but unfortunately, there were three satellite trucks outside our hotel. Right. And so I'm walking, and then one of the uh, reporters runs up and says, Kenny, how's Ben? I, I don't know. I said, He's fine. And I go back, and then I, so I turn on the, the broadcast, you know, and, you know, the let's go to, to, to Ron Jaworski. And, you know, and we got the live report from Miami that uh, Ken Anderson uh, says that Ben Roethlisberger is fine. And I've known Kenny a long time. And if he says Roethlisberger is fine, he's fine. And, and I'm going, oh, my God, now I'm nervous to death to go down to the pregame meal. Ben's going to be pissed. The head coach is going to be pissed. And, you know, luckily, so, I mean, I'm a wreck. And then, uh, you know, we go and, and we get it. And nobody said anything about anything. So, uh, you know, uh, we go and uh, – Things are looking good until, uh, of course, you know, the Warner hits. I think it was Larry Fitzgerald right down the middle for a touchdown. They got the lead, and we go into a two-minute drill, and Ben had been great in it all year. And the first play of the two-minute drill, he sacked, uh, but he overcomes that. And then, uh, of course, throws that unbelievable pass to Santonio Holmes in the, the corner of the end zone for the touchdown, and and we win. And and, and I remember that, uh, you know, all my kids were, were down there. And, of course, you know, Christy was there. And uh, so you only got like two passes to come down on the field. And our security guy was there, you know, with it. And so I get down on the field and I see, uh, oh, gosh, uh, Don Hasselbeck, who that Hi. time was with uh, Reebok, I think. He, he might have been because, okay, what's the matter? He says, I don't have enough passes for my whole family. He goes, he had a box. He said, here. So I went over <laughs> and I'm tossing them up in the stands. And my son-in-laws are jumping over. And so they, they all got to be down on the field and enjoy it. That's pretty darn cool. That's cool. So what was uh, like the week when you're preparing as a, as a quarterback to play in the Super Bowl and you're preparing as a quarterback coach 
to coach in the Super Bowl. What are the similarities? What are the differences? Well, you know, I, I think it's, it's more very similar for me because I was always the guy that wanted to watch film and do that. But it's just make sure that the quarterbacks get the information that they need and don't overload them. You know, I mean, I'm watching more film than they are. Yeah. But it was, uh, again, this was a, a nice situation because we got so much of our work done in Pittsburgh the week before. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember that when we went down there, Bruce Arians was our offensive coordinator. And, and we had all the scripts, you know, for the, the Super Bowl week were, were done ahead of time. So the weekend before, I mean, we had, uh, you know, a, a day off and, you know, and I'm in and I've, I've got all my cards for the week done. So a lot of the stuff that you did at night, you know, uh, you know, I already had done going into the week. So that was, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of fun where you could sit back. And I know Chris and I had the chance to go out to dinner, you know, a couple of nights. So the Cincinnati Bengals this year, obviously didn't uh, make the playoffs, but they did have a winning record three years in a row with a winning record now. And when you look at it, uh, they competed very well with both participants in the Super Bowl. They go on the road uh, October 29th and beat San Francisco by two scores, 31-17. And they did a pretty good job on Brock Purdy that day. And then on December 31st, second to last game of the season, on the road, they played both Super Bowl participants on the road. They lose by eight. They lose by one score to Kansas City. Have, had a lead in that football game. Jake Browning showed, you know, that, that he could get things done. So I guess the point being, even though the Bengals finished dead last in, in their division, you know, they played the Super Bowl participants off the hook. It's very, very thin line, isn't it, between the ones that get there and the ones that don't. I mean, it's so competitive in the National Football League. And, again, Joe Burrow missing as much time as he missed. A healthy Joe Burrow – the window of opportunity is wide open, isn't it, Kenny? No question. You know, and you think, you know, we got that calf injury in training camp, and he wasn't, you know, 100% to start the season. And right. once again, we get off to a little bit of a, a slow start, but then all of a sudden, Joe's Joe again. I mean, yep. doing everything. And, you know, I mean, we got, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and, you know, Joe, I mean, you know, things are rolling, and then it comes the wrist injury. Yep. And then uh, I remember going to that Pittsburgh game, which was Jake's, you know, first start. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a real pretty game, and but still had a chance going down to kind of threw a bad interception down in the red zone. And yeah. you know, that was kind of the game. But I, I give the team a lot of credit. I mean, everybody had confidence in Jake. I think the court, the coaches figured out we got to do a few little different things with him. He's under center more and more play action. You know, and, and the guy goes out and never started an NFL game before. And all of a sudden, he's throwing for 300 yards a game and 70% passing. Right. You know, he was doing, you know, things in his first four games no quarterback had ever done. Yeah. But I, I think I, I think that goes back, you know, a lot, you know, and and people dismiss it a lot. But the, the culture of the locker room, that the guys, number one, they like each other. Uh, they like to spend time together. They hold each other accountable. And, you know, they know what it takes to win. But I think more importantly than that, they know what it takes to win, but they're willing to pay the price to do what it takes to win. Yep. And and they didn't miss a beat. And it, it went down to the, the last, you know, he kept us in it to the last. And uh, I, I give the give him a lot of credit. I give the team a lot of credit. You know, you hit it right on the head, though, Kay. I mean, it's like 
you have to decide to make some sacrifices, you know, personal sacrifices in a lot of cases for the betterment of the football team. I mean, that's the bottom line. And they do have that dynamic as part of their team chemistry. I mean, these guys will, every single one of them will make the necessary sacrifice if needed to better the uh, football team. No doubt. No question about it. You know, it's going to be an interesting off season, you know, uh, for the first time, you know, they've lost a coordinator. Yeah. You know, and uh, gosh, you know, congratulations to Brian for, you know, getting this opportunity to go down and be the head coach of the, of the, the Tennessee Titans. But, you know, they got a guy in the wings, Dan Pitcher, who is the, the quarterback's coach, kind of came up through the ranks in Cincinnati, who's ready to go. So I don't think that we're going to see a, a drop off in, in offense. And then they have an assistant quarterback coach ready to take over being the quarterback coach. I don't think, you know, they're in, in great shape because they've got such a, a deep coaching staff. Uh, to handle this. I agree with you, Kenny. I mean, I tip my cap to Brian Callahan getting the opportunity and hiring his dad, Bill, to be his offensive line coach is like that. That's a storybook, you know, scenario there. That that's something that I can't believe I'm actually living this story. What, what, a, what a deal that is down there for the Callahan family. And um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, Dan Pitcher, you have Dan Pitcher and Robert Livingston. Both of those guys came out of the scouting department. They were part of the personnel uh, group in the in the Cincinnati Bengals with Duke Tobin and his people. They have two, one on each side of the football. One of them is now the offensive coordinator, who his first four years with the team was evaluating personnel. Uh, and, and Robert Livingston the same way. I don't think another team in the league can claim – I'm not sure they can claim one, <laughs> never mind yeah. two. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very unique dynamic with this football team. Right. And, and, you know, but I think, you know, that he's been the quarterback coach since Joe Burrow's been here. Absolutely. And he's got a great relationship with, with Joe and the other quarterbacks in the room. And I, I think that makes a, a big difference too. So it's not, you know, a coordinator coming, well, now I got to get a develop a relationship with my star quarterback and, you know, what's going to happen now. I mean, he's been there and he's been coaching him and, and uh, you know, they get a lot of input in, in what's going on with the game plan as well. Absolutely. He did. He was the third down guy. I mean, right. that's, that's a big, that's a big deal. That's a key, key aspect of any game plan is your third down game plan. So, I mean, he's, he's been outstanding, you know, in that regard. And Brad Craigthorpe, who's still in the mix as a quarterback coach, still haven't made that decision yet, made that announcement. But I mean, he goes all the way back to LSU with Joe Burrow. He, yeah. he was part of Joe Burrow's, you know, uh, coaches, coaching staff down there at LSU. So like you say, the, how, how important is continuity and consistency when you, are successful. I mean, a minimal disruption, like you said, you know, Brian moves on, but you know, you've got people in house that are worthy of the positions potentially. And how big is that to have that continuity and consistency? Well, I, I, I think it's, you know, very important, you know, the people you're working with, but you come in, you know, the terminology, things are going to be the same. So you can evaluate last year. How can we change, you know, make wrinkles to make us a little bit better. Right. I think what what's hard is, you know, when, when you come and you're getting a whole new system and I go back uh, to when Marvin uh, or not when Marvin, but when uh, 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 Dick LeBeau, when, when Bruce Cosa left and, yep. and the, the next year, I and mean, I've been the offensive coordinator and then, you know, he got the job again the next year and I got demoted to quarterback coach and brought in Bob Bratkowski. who was a, a real good coach, yep. but all of a sudden our entire system was now changing. You know, we went from kind of the West Coast terminology to more the, you know, Ernie Zampezi, 
Don Coriel three-digit system. Mm-hmm. So now you're call- everything the way that you're calling it is different. And it, it took me a while as a coach to get comfortable with it. Yeah. yeah. But now, you know, the, the system is staying the same. I'll tell you, it's exciting. Looking forward to it. I know uh, there was nobody that played the game at a higher level than my man, number 14 in your program, number one in your heart, and should be a Hall of Famer. That's a whole – we'll have to do another podcast strictly on that. Why Ken Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame. Come on, people. Well, well actually, Dave, I, I didn't know there was such a thing, but there is a national quarterback – Hall of Fame. Really? And uh, and I'm going in and I'm being inducted out in Scottsdale, Arizona on February 23rd to that Hall of Fame. So congratulations. Congratulations, my man. Well earned, well deserved. All right, Kenton, wake up call. He's <laughs> in the quarterback Hall of Fame. Come on, boys. Oh, please. Pete. Unbelievable. Appreciate your time as always. Appreciate your knowledge. You're the best, Ken Anderson. Well, I, I tell you what, and I owe it all to my roomie for all those years. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I the best day you ever had, my man. You got it, brother. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team.